Thank you guys. Grab your seats. So this afternoon, we're going to be talking about the image of Jesus in the world. Jesus said, if you knew who it was, who was standing before you here today, and you knew the gift that I wanted to give you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. In the day that we live in today, around us, many people have ideas of what Jesus looks like. And Jesus is, in fact, at work all around them and us. And so we've been training ourselves to be able to identify when Jesus is at work around us. We, we, we begin to pray, God, show us where you're moving so that we don't find ourselves standing face to face with Jesus and, and not knowing who it is we're talking to. That we wouldn't ignore his voice when he speaks to us, thinking it's just something that a thought that wound through our mind or that the scripture is just a book of suggestions, but that we would hear the very intonations of our Savior's voice when we read scripture and when we listen for his voice to, to speak to the inner parts of our being, that we wouldn't just allow his, 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 his personal engagement with us to go in one ear and out the other, but that we would capture the words of Jesus as, as a treasure, that we would, we would take those thoughts that Jesus brings to our mind and we would ingrain them into our souls like a seed being planted. And our hearts desiring to be soft, fertile soil where the very fruit of the kingdom can grow and manifest, we, we wrestle with God's words. We don't merely just, just allow them to pass through, but we hold them and we allow them to have the weight that would impact my heart. And we, we invite, we recognize that by nature we are stony individuals with hearts that are non-hospitable to the good news of the kingdom. And so we invite the Spirit to come into our hearts of stone and create hearts of flesh that are, that are willing to receive everything that God wants to pour into us. Oh, oh, if you knew the water that I have to give you, I would, I would give it to you and it would bubble up in you to eternal life. If we would begin to understand that the words of Jesus are like water in an arid desert to a hungry and dry soul, we would think differently about when we open the Word. We would think differently when, when we're hearing or interacting with Jesus Himself. If we only knew who it was that was knocking on the soul of our inner person, wanting to bring life where there is stoniness, where He's wanting to turn over the soil of our inner person so that He can create life where there is death, healing where there is brokenness. If we only knew who it was that was speaking to us. And so my heart's desire is that we would hold with gravity the weight of God's words that come to us through the scriptures, that come to us through, through the spoken word of God, through the worshiped communication of, of, uh, of, of revelation and prophetic word that come to us through even the revelation in nature. When we look around, the glory of God is on display to us that we wouldn't just be apathetic 
to a God that is ever reaching out to us. This is the work of becoming a disciple. This is the work of of cultivating hearts that are capable of loving him how he desires. In ancient Israel custom, uh, more than twice or twice a day, they would would repeat what is called the Shema, which, which you can find in Deuteronomy 6. And it's, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love him with all of your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength. And we need to understand that when they repeated that to themselves, the word here is not just, hey, here, listen. It's Shema, which means focus, lean in, give these words weight. Did you know that in ancient Hebrew literature, there's actually no word for obey? The word most commonly used when, when someone expecting someone to, to take a word and implant it and obey it is here or Shema. This is how it's possible for Jesus and other prophets throughout time to, to describe a people who, yes, they, they hear, but they're not hearing. You're, you're listening, but you're not shamaying. You're not leaning into the truth and allowing it to have weight in your life and incorporate it into the rationale of your being. We talked about last week how the Holy Spirit has actually been gifted to us to not merely convince us of the truth of Jesus, to not merely give us confidence and security, but he's there to rearrange our hearts. Like, like a home being renovated. And I like to think about the Holy Spirit coming in and like he's in some of our living rooms or some of you, on he's on the porch and you're like, don't touch anything. I like my house how it is. And he's like, oh no, I want to come in. You're like, no, 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 I'm good. Others of you are like, no, I want Jesus into my life. I kind of believe that you will be good news to me if I let you into my living room. And he starts, you know, sweeping the rugs and he's like cleaning up a little bit. And you're like, oh, wow, I never knew this living room was like this nice. Have anybody of you guys uh, had, a, had a carpet that you get cleaned? Maybe you bought a house and the carpets didn't get cleaned before you get in. You're like, I never knew my carpets were that color. It's like God is uh, overturning and moving things and making your life. When, when the Holy Spirit comes in and you allow his words to hold weight and you not merely hear, but you care and you allow them to alter your being, you're actually allowing God to bring order into your chaotic life. Jesus wants to bring order to your life. Why? Not only so that he is delighted to be in your presence. John 14 says that those who obey our commands, the Father will love him and I will love him. We will come and we will what? Make our home in your hearts. There's an intimacy that Jesus, when when we allow him to impact and implant himself in us, he becomes to, to reorder our lives where he is more frequently and closer intimately at work in our lives so that there is a deeper sense of intimacy with God as you become more like him. Likeness is nearness. There's no way around it. We live in a culture that that says, you know, uh, we we are overgraced. And I know that's almost impossible to be true, but we think that if we are set free from the law, then we can do whatever. No, you know, the Apostle Paul in Galatians, he says, listen, you have been set free. Yes, the law is no longer your only condition and your only thought is to honor God with all of your life, mind, soul, and strength, and love one another. That's the, this, this is the law of Christ. There's a simplicity there, but he also goes on and says this, that you've been set free, that you may fulfill the law of love, that you may no longer fulfill and satisfy your flesh, but that you would serve one another. So the very excellent uh, end of God's redeeming and freeing work in our life is that we would become people of love, that we would become embodied 
people of love in the world, where we can carry out the heart of God towards our neighbor in the midst of conflict, in the midst of an imperfect life. God is trying to restore an orderly life in us. You know, it's out of our disorders, out of our pain, out of our histories, out of our narratives, and our our, uh, self-defensiveness and insecurities that we actually lash out at other people. Yes, yes, you, you are victims of others and we actually contribute to the pain of others. We're, we're both victim and villain in the situation and God is trying to actually restore our hearts so that when we interact with others, we function not out of our brokenness, but out of our wholeness. The Holy Spirit is trying to create a wholeness in our heart so that the, the, the reaction of our soul would look like Jesus to the world. You know, it's, it's not just us that we need to know or if we only knew who it was that Jesus is who's knocking on our doors of our souls. It's our neighbors. It's our prodigal children. It's our brothers and sisters. It's our co-workers that need to see who Jesus really is in the world. The church has done a crazy bad job of displaying to the world the beauty and goodness of Jesus. There, there are straw men all over, and the world needs to see who Jesus really is. You know what? Jesus has given us this beautiful job, but a challenging job, that together when we function here on earth in a body, and He be, being the head, and we all become part of that body together, committed to one another, loving one another, serving one another, suffering with and for, carrying each other's burdens, celebrating with one another, when we do that, we actually in picture... Jesus to the world. The world needs to see what a a beautiful and truly good God that Jesus is in person. So how does this connect with words? Well, we're told in John chapter 1 that, that the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then we're told in verse 14 of John, that the Word became flesh. So so the very revelation of God took on skin and bones so that the world, us basic people, had something to look at. And so we have these gospel accounts where we can look at Jesus and we can stand in awe of a person who functioned out of wholeness, not out of brokenness, of somebody who allowed the Holy Spirit to perfectly order his life that he wrestled through in the moments where him and the Father were wrestling out a disagreement in the garden. He models this powerful new way in the world. Nobody can look at Jesus and deny the beauty of his life. And this is the life that he's trying to see birthed in this community. A life that we are able to see the presence of God at work among us, that we hear the words of Jesus repeated amidst us, that the very heart of our church would take seriously this calling that Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what I say. If you know me, you will follow my commands. Isn't it strange that in the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain in Luke, it says that Jesus was dumbfounded by the fact that he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? You see, there's one thing to say that Jesus is my Lord. It's another thing to say that, you know what? I'll show you by my actions how much he's transformed my life. Because the goal of knowledge isn't isn't simply just having more information. 
The goal of knowledge is always transformation. It's always a different way of living. Just like the Shema, to listen in Hebrew, understanding was to do. So in if you know something in Hebrew knowledge, it was obedience. They would say if you don't act on your knowledge, you don't really know that truth. So the opposite of, of knowledge in Hebrew understanding isn't stupidity, it's rebellion. This is why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he goes on and says, uh, some of you say, Lord, Lord, uh, but I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That idea of lawlessness is just rebel. Just like, hey, you say you follow me, but your actions are totally rebellious. You just want to be a law unto yourself. And so there's this independent spirit that America is so good at right now. That we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. And we want independence and all of that. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you love me, you allow my will to shape your life. That you will correspond your very passions and convictions with the things that move my heart. Because if there's a difference between your passions and my passions, there's something off within you. We're told that Jesus in in Luke 6, he says that uh, from the overflow of the heart, or from the abundance, if you're looking at the ESV, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, I hate it when, uh, when what comes out of me is more evident of wreckage than wholeness. Anybody else? Not so frustrating. But there's also these moments where there'll be a response or a circumstance, and it'll it'll be this outworking of patience or kindness that doesn't originate with me. It's like Jesus at work through me. Have you guys had this experience? where you're just a bystander and God is moving through you. I wonder if it's what Paul was talking about in Galatians 2.20. Man, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ. He's living through me. And I'm this conduit where I demonstrate to the world Jesus' life as I surrender to Him and I allow His imprint to transform me into His very image. Today we're, we're talking about the idea that things that come out of us are an indication of what is in us. Things that come out of us are an indication of what is in us. And God wants us to take seriously the culture of our hearts. He really does. Just like a tree produces fruit in keeping with the kind of tree it is, so our lives will keep in true fitting nature with what is truly going on inside of us. This last week I was wrestling through some and I couldn't quite figure out why I was feeling what I was feeling. And instead of just like trying harder, I stopped and I went, God, there's something off in my heart. Because from the overflow of, of my heart, my actions roll. And I don't know where that's coming from, but it ain't good. I don't like it. And so God, I need you to help me to understand what's going on in front of me and inside of me. This is the element of cultivating a space that is soft towards God. 
Look with me at this passage. If you have a Bible, um, we know that Scripture has, has told us we can invite God through His Spirit to uh, be at work within us. And I kind of alluded to that where the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are beautiful things that we see embodied in Jesus. And as a community, we don't only want to just be moved by Jesus. We want to live lives in the world that look like Jesus. We want to practice his ways in the world. We want to embody his love, his kindness, his peace, his patience, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control. This is what Jesus is trying to accomplish in our hearts. And so I just encourage us as as we think about uh, what to do when things aren't going right, This is just a really quick coaching piece. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. What this is saying, my friends, is that who you are today, you are becoming someone. And what we bring into our bodies, through our ears, through our eyes, through our senses, it is forming the fruit that's going to come out of us. And so when things are a mess in my heart, my goal isn't try harder. My goal is what am I feeding on? And in turn, returning to Jesus, saying, Jesus, if I sow to the Spirit, and maybe you have different ideas of what this is. For me, this is drinking in Scripture, living in Scripture, listening to Scripture. When I don't feel it, just soaking it up, listening to the, 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 to the Gospels. Jesus, let me hear your story. Let it wash over me. I don't know. It's not moving me right now, God, but I know that I'm sowing in your words, your truth, your person, your presence. And the more my cadence is lived within the context of God's words and his life and his presence, the more I find my natural response birthing peace, joy, patience. And it's not a work of me. It's simply me running to him saying, I'm going to sow to the spirit, not to my flesh. And you want to know the opposite? When I sow to my flesh, my reactions are fleshly. When I constantly give myself permission to do whatever, to, to just take another break, to take it easy. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Another self-justification so I can do the thing. I find myself like, ah, My heart is apathetic and it feels so inevitable that I'm just going to drop the ball again. So what is it if we decide to put logic into practice? This reaping and sowing, this is not just a Christian idea. This is a world philosophy because it's true. What you sow, you will reap a reward from. So if we took this seriously with our lives in this coming year, What are the things in our life that we want to be sowing into our soul with the knowledge that it will come to full blossom?
It's springtime in our souls. Jesus has been watering our souls with his goodness and his truth. There are people who are hungering for God among us. Your hearts, the pores, are open to God and his truth today. What are we sowing into our lives? My prayer is that we would be fully receptive to everything Jesus is trying to plant in our hearts. Rhythms of life, rhythms of love as we practice the liturgy of life. My hope and heart as the worship team comes up to help this transition feel real nice. My heart is that we would be people who are not perfect, but who are pursuing the perfect one. That that we are, are not figured out, but we are pursuing the one who knows all. And that more than anything, we would have an insatiable hunger and thirst for the living water that Jesus came to pour on our souls. So my friends, please cultivate your heart towards Jesus. Even now, we want to practice receiving his words. So I'll just invite you to close your eyes and and bow your head and just take a sec. Spirit, we know that you're here with us. And for some of us, you need to just remind us that we're yours. So for the soul that needs to hear that, that they're claimed, I pray that they would open their hearts to you right now. Jesus, that you would plant the seed that says you are mine. And in the name of Jesus, would that grow? And Lord, for the person who is wrestling in this space, lots of boulders. God, I pray that that you would help them to, to bravely open a bit of their heart to you. And would they believe, Jesus, that you are for them. That you intend for their good. Lord, I pray for those who have chaos in our hearts right now. We don't know what to do. Our home is a mess and we just need you. We can't fix it. So I pray that you would move in to those spaces, God. And if that's you, just please just in the mind of your spirit, open the door to God and say, just come in. I don't know what to do. God, I pray right now that you would just awaken and open our eyes to see um, anything that's damaging, God, that we have allowed to be implanted into our lives. Words that we're listening to. Things that have been spoken over us. Fears. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to uproot those things. And in the vacuous space that that creates, would you plant truth? Truth of who you are, Jesus, who we are and what you've done. In 
And Jesus, I pray that during this time of reflection and worship, people would grab hold of those truths and they would say, I hear you, Jesus. So if you're hearing Jesus say anything, say, I hear you saying this. I'm holding to that. And as we worship, I just encourage you to breathe in deeply the Spirit's presence. As a fresh breeze, as a water that would grow these truths. God, please do that in us. We love you that you speak to us. We thank you that you speak to us. We thank you that you don't give up on us. We honor you and we love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. We're going to take some time to just worship the Lord. Um, Don't let those things that the Lord is doing kind of pass away. If you heard something from God, I'd encourage you to tell a significant other or share that with somebody or write it down somewhere because it's no small thing that God speaks to you. It's amazing. All right, let's worship.